0: Hello and welcome to Slam Fire Radio, episode 347 for March 26, 2020. I am one of your hosts, Trevor the Filate.
1: I am another one of your hosts, Kelly Lynn.
2: And I am another one of your hosts, Adriel.
0: Okay, so you're supposed to say the classic one, you're supposed to say Frosty. We do names or we do nicknames. And we always do it the same. Why tonight? You I to... can
2: only pick what the last person picked. I have a I have a memory of one. Right.
0: Yeah. That's the thing yeah. for you. I forgot yeah. your savantiness.
1: I was just uh, challenging you.
0: Don't challenge my You're authority. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Don't test me, woman. Make me a sandwich.
1: I got oh. wings waiting. Hurry up.
0: Oh, Jesus, that's important. Let's get on with it then. All right. Let's move into everyone's favorite segment. Oh damn. Adriel, we didn't we didn't do the thing with the oh man we'll talk later. All right, everyone's favorite segment, um, what we did this week in guns, which is brought to you by the Calgary Shooting Center, Canada's premier firearms retailer. Guess what's back in stock, kids? Guess guess guess. No, don't. Ultimate, it's not fair. You have the show the notes.
2: Ultimate survival weapon,
0: but the ultimate.
2: You need to put a Tapco stock on it for it to work.
0: According to video games, yes, they have. For your collection or boogaloo purposes, both Russian and Chinese SKS rifles. How much? In stock. Uh, I think they are. Stand by. I will click the link. They've gone up a little bit from the last time. Yeah, 350 this time. Everything's going so, up. So, everything's going up. Ammo's going to go up, you
1: know. Our oh, ammo's going to go way up. Yeah. We're going to. We're going <laughs> to. Ammo thing.
2: is. Good thing all of uh, the hosts here are sitting on. Thousands of rounds. <laughs> Thousands. And uh, yeah,
0: I'm not buy that much. It's time to start hoarding 22 kids. Yeah. If if your Canadian Tire in Walmart is open and there's 22, go buy it all. You bet. I'm telling you, it's
2: gonna get more expensive. Yeah, yep. It's, all it's not gonna made.
0: get. It, it's gonna be unobtainium. It's American made. The American the Canadian dollar has taken a complete nose Paint. dive. And. Yep. There's no lead coming into North America. So no lead, no bullet manufacturing. Start panic buying now. Welcome.
1: Even the federal crap stuff. Buy
0: it. buy it. Buy it. Buy any 22 you can find right now.
2: Yeah.
1: But I already have like...
0: I uh, don't care.
2: 15, don't care. Buy more. Or so.
0: Remember what McClatchy taught us. The only time you have too much ammo is when you're either on fire or swimming. Otherwise, you can never have too much ammo. So... Let's get into uh, what we did. Um, I took a day trip on Monday. I risked, well, basically, um, I risked putting the entire globe at risk by driving to Moncton and back, and uh, I went to sight in a couple of guns. I got a new scope for my SLR from Jeff Reese, and I couldn't remember if I sighted it in or not, because it seems to me I installed it after the shooting season. So I had a new loop old Mark AR with a illuminated red dot. I didn't know if it was sighted in. That was driving me nuts. My, um, modern sporter, which is typically set up in a 7.62 by 40 configuration. I, um, put a new, I put another, I switched it to two, two, three is what I'm doing a terrible job at trying to say. This is a Maple Ridge barrel with the twist rifling um instead of the straight rifling it looks kind of cool so i put turned that back into a 223 and um, put the strike eagle one to eight on there i had on there a vortex viper hst which is a phenomenal piece of glass it's a 4 to 16 and it made a lot of sense on that gun when that gun was primarily set up as a hunting gun shooting a 30 caliber bullet some people may be wondering why I took off the seven point sixty by forty WT barrel, and that is because, unfortunately, we this is was an experiment for IBI. There is nobody making those barrels outside of Wilson. IBI said they would do it for me. We didn't know that Wilson uses a carbine length gas system on all of their seven point sixty by forty WT barrels, regardless of the length of barrel. Even their twenty inch barrel uses a carbine length system. Oh, really? Really? And it has to do with uh, well time, know. the amount of gas that's created. What's uh, that, Adriel? Well,
2: I was thinking like burn burn rates uh, of the powder that you're using in there. Maybe it just doesn't have enough pressure when it's out in the middle of the barrel?
0: Oh, they it's called the well time and uh, the longer the barrel, the less pressure you have when you get to the gas port. And so they use a .89 gas port and a carbine length gas system on all their barrels. I uh, got that in an email from them because I sent them an email. I said, Hey guys, um, I'm not getting enough gas pressure to cycle the action reliably. And I've used lightweight action parts Mm or like a lightweight bulk air group, a lightweight buffer. And they immediately went, we never sold you a barrel. (laughs) No, that's right. You didn't. I had one made. (laughs) Oh, well, good luck, pal, because they don't work with a rifle length gas system. We use carbine length and 0.89 gas port on all of our barrels, regardless of length. I was like, Oh,
2: can't you Probably just hog out the gas port? Couldn't you just like we did? It a bit?
0: We, we we did. We did. We opened it up a couple of times. Now, yeah. um, it was opened up again to the exact same diameter as the hole in the gas block. There's okay. obviously no point in having it bigger because that would be stupid. So, um, Captain Andy figured out the size of the gas port in the gas uh, block, and he made the gas port in the barrel the same size. I didn't bother getting around to testing it, see if it would work, um, because Ryan's like, dude, I got you, no problem making another barrel. And then I decided to go two, two, three for the apocalypse, and put that um, Maple Ridge barrel that Ben found me. No, Ben didn't find it. Ben bought it, and he decided not to use it on his AR and sold it to me for exactly what he paid for which contradicts everything that Mike Pospolita says about Ben. Um, Mike, you're wrong. Ben is actually a good guy. He's not always out to make a buck off his friends. And he doesn't like Tikas, so he's a good guy. So Filthy right now is probably giggling. Mike might even be giggling. Mike might be watching. Mike knows I love Tikas.
2: So you you, um, up, you got the gas port bigger, but mm-hmm. you didn't You didn't test it with that bigger gas port machined into it. We,
0: tested, we opened up the gas port, I think, yep. three times. And it didn't make a difference the fourth time. Mm -hmm. uh, I did not get around to testing before I switched the rifle back. It didn't matter because um, Ryan at IBI said he was going to make a new barrel with a carbine length gas system and a 0.89 gas
2: port. What if, I mean, you're going to have an extra barrel now, or he's going to have an extra barrel now that he's not going to be able to use. Uh, What if? I still have it here. What if, uh, what if you change the powder you're using to give you more nope. pressure further down the barrel?
0: I'm using the optimum powder for that cartridge right now, mm-hmm. and I actually exceeded the published data. Mm-hmm. To, like you want to talk about a compressed load? It was so compressed it put a ring around the bullet, mm-hmm. seating the bullet. Okay. Um. How so far, how far yeah.
2: From cycling was it? I'm just curious. I'm I'm sure other people. Every once in so. a while, Adriel. Yeah.
0: Every once in a while, it would strip one off. Yeah, that's... that's So, but just not reliably. I even went to... Like, I could have did more. I could have... I went to a lightweight bull carrier group. I went to a regular weight buffer. I could have went to an even lighter weight buffer. I could have went with a spring. Yep. Right? I had an adjustable gas port or block that was open all the way. Full-on gas. There's more I could have done. But after Wilson told me, 0.89 gas port and carbine length gas system, And Ryan said, dude, I got you. I'll make you another barrel. That was it. That was the end of the conversation. That was the end of the experimenting, I should say. What's that, Kelly?
1: He's such a good guy.
0: Oh, I guess. Yeah, awesome. Um, so I put this, the uh, optic that was on that, on this rifle, and I took it out to Filthy's range and shot it for the first time. This is the Hawa mini action. You get them either a heavy barrel that's threaded for a solvent trap, or just a regular profile barrel. Um, They come in like a kit. You you can get them with two mags, an optic already mounted on the gun, a bipod. There's one version that even comes with a a rifle case as well. Um, So the Nico Sterling scope that was on here, it wasn't enough scope for what I wanted to do. It was a good scope. It was three to nine, which, you know, so um i took this out to the range and i first zeroed this optic which is a viper hst 4 to 16 by 44 with the bulk 55 grain ammo that i make for my ars and my slrs and my modern sporters and stuff um for a bulk ammo that i load on the dylan it's a 55 grain campo bullet with 26 grains of h335 and it shoots great in my guns i um it's blaster ammo it's I use it in matches, but I've never bothered to pick my SLR or one of my airs and say, okay, do you like 62 grains and do you like 25.3 grains of powder? I was like, screw that. I can't be bothered doing that kind of load development. You know, I'm just going to make 26 grains, which is the max charge with a 55 grain bullet, and you're all going to like it that way. And that's, and that's the way they like it. Except for this thing, man. This thing's shot. It's a 1 in 8 twist barrel. And it shot those 55 grainers at 26 grain with 26 grains of powder at four inches. It was not good. And then I had a friend of mine buy some 70 grain spear soft points that he wanted to put through his 22250. And then he changed his mind, and I ended up with them. So I loaded some 223 with them. And uh, the max charge for that was 26 grains of Varget. And it was the first one I put through this gun. And it was the best group. It was uh, MOA or better. And I shot all of the other Teslas I made up just to fire form the brass. So I've got like uh, 60 or 70 pieces of 223 brass fire formed. So I loaded all those up. And then I had enough um, prepped Winchester brass to load up the other 150 or so. So I got almost 200 rounds of that Spear 70 grain soft point loaded for this, uh, how many action. So pretty happy with, with the gun, um, and the accuracy I got out of that. I did order today though, Ornity 75 grain boat tail hollow points. I'm going to do some low development with that when I can get on my own range in the spring. And, um, cause yeah, man, that's a, that's a cool little two, two, three target rifle, right? It's, you know, It's not in a chassis. Don't care if it's lightweight. It's good, it's good to go. There is one serious downside to it. One flaw. And that is the um, magazine release is in a ridiculous location. So here's the mag. Yep. Now that mag looks like a 10-round mag, doesn't it? Got lots of length on there. Yep. Right?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Five-round mag. I don't know what this foolishness is underneath the line here, but there's no ammo going in there. So... I, I assumed that it was a ten-round mag. Just looking at it, it looked like a ten-round mag until I tried to put number six in it. it; would not go. Okay, so here's the mag in the gun. Uh-huh. Look where the mag re- magazine release is right in front of the magazine. Uh-huh. And it's exactly where your hand rests when you pick up the gun. You bring your hand forward of the action.
1: Push down and, on it. When the yep. Magazine pops out.
0: Yep. Your hand hits the magazine release because the magazine release is where your hand naturally wants to rest while picking up and carrying the firearm. So it's something that you got to be super cognizant cogniz- cognizant of. You got to be aware of it. You got to know it's there and don't yeah. hit it. So that's that's a serious design flaw. And I hope Powah has noticed it and has done something to correct it for future models. So anyway... That's the only the only complaint I have on that. Um, what else? I sold some guns. I think I talked about that. I sold um a Remington 870 police clone that I refinished at the shop out of a vintage Wingmaster. Sad, sad day to sell that gun. But I also sold the Cincinnati clone that I wanted mm-hmm. to cherry shoot in Ontario. Good for you. Um, did I sell another shotgun? No, I don't think so. Yeah, but I mean I still got my five ninety eight one, my eight seventy tactical, um my Versamax, you know, and then I got all my hunting shotguns. Oh Kelly, guess what I found on CGN?
1: Uh gun.
0: A Baikal <laughs> over and under. Oh really? So I got a twelve a single shot, Baikal twelve gauge, I got a single shot, Baikal, twenty gauge. I got the double barrel twelve gauge I got from Ben. It's a side by side. I want an over-and-under. I don't have an over-and-under. I got a Bacale collection going on here. Oh. But now is not the time to buy guns. Now is the time to pay for a master's degree. Or try to pay for a master's degree. And well, not buy RC car price.
1: When you can't actually go. What's that? Nothing. I said, can't why? Can't go
0: to school. It's online. It's online. I it's online. Yeah,
1: well, the we'll be uh, ending, so...
0: Yeah, well, um, I will. I, I made a phone call, and the admissions department is working from home, and everything oh. is scheduled to go ahead according to plan. We'll know awesome. if we're in or not on schedule in April, and the first course is an online course, and any of the face-to-face courses will just have to be rescheduled. But it I the, the program may not by then. The program may not end. Um, when it was scheduled to end, but there's no reason for it to to start when it's scheduled to start. So we shall see. I'm remaining uh,
1: optimistic. optimistic.
0: So, yeah. The other thing I did when I was um, at Filthy's Range, I developed a load for that 223, as I talked about, but I also developed a load for my Stag 10. And um, best thing I put through the Stag 10 so far um, is a Hornady. One seventy-eight grain ELDX Ooh. in Federal Match brass with Federal Match primers, and uh, twenty uh, no forty-three grains of varget. How much did you make? A lot. Okay. Yep. I didn't make a lot in the beginning, but when I got it to the range and it shot MOA or better, then I made two hundred. Okay. So and then I ordered more, of course. So. Yep, and then I uh, bought $450 worth of reloading supplies from uh, Denis, so I could do some more reloading, because what else am I going to do? Bought another AR-10 mag. Yeah, so that's it for me. Um, Adriel, what about you?
2: Let's see. Uh, well, I didn't do anything since our uh, since our coronavirus show, but just in case anyone didn't see it, uh, a holster. I did find something new about this holster. I was like, yeah, it works perfect with my uh, with my long boy Yugo in here, but there's one thing that doesn't. The magazine is too long to fit in oh no. the spot up here. Because, oh, of course, because yeah. it's not the seven-round mag. Yeah, it's too mm-hmm. long, and it's just like, it pokes, pokes through the leather, so yeah, it's a little bit too long there. Um, I don't know if I care, though, because it's, it's so tight getting it in there. <laughs> that uh, I don't think it matters. I don't think I'm going to use that anyways, right? Uh, no. The only time I'm going to u- use a holster is if I'm shooting like a, a historical style uh, match and I'm not going to shoot a historical style match with a holster and a magazine. That <laughs> can't be stripped can't out. Can't come out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, uh, yeah, I mean, you, you can slap it on there and get it nice and tight, but just it's gonna it's going to poke a hole and, and start making a, a dent in the leather there. So I don't think I'm going to do that. Um And I also learned something about the uh, the Matrix uh, Aerospace uh, build that. uh, What did you learn? Uh, So their their stated weight is eight and a half pounds, and I I weighed it as I do with all the guns I review, and uh, it's not eight and a half pounds. Well, liars.
1: liars, liars,
2: liars it was 8.15 pounds it's actually quite <laughs> so it's lighter. quite a bit lighter than they than they said yet yeah, in their advertisement which uh, which is very nice <laughs> that's mm-hmm. a good thing <laughs> yeah. I don't know if it was in the stock that they saved some weight or the barrel profile with the 65 over 308 like maybe they weighed the 308 version and they gave that weight but uh it's, uh, it's a it's very light rifle so I'll, uh,
0: and so it's how much
2: the weight to the cost. <laughs> The weight. 8.15
0: pounds. I just threw my stag. My stag, as as I speak, is on a scale on the mm-hmm. ground right now with a uh, 10-round loaded magazine on the side on the scale. Take a guess, man. With the Viper PST Gen 2 yep. and 10 rounds of 308, guess what uh, that puppy weighs.
2: 11, 12 pounds.
0: 12 pounds, 3.8 ounces. 12
2: pounds. With a loaded bag make... and a scope on here, I'm probably going to be around 11, eleven, eleven and a half, somewhere there. Anyways, yeah, not a yeah. huge difference then. Yeah, I don't think so. Because like,
0: my, my it's the profile of my barrel is very heavy.
2: Yes, yeah. Profile the barrel. That's the only difference you're going to have with these things. The forend and that kind of thing. Like the BCLs are uh, eight pound, eight point three pounds. Uh, but the stupid forends on them are super chunky. So if you took that forend and replaced it with something better, uh, you would get down to that. You know, eight pounds or so uh, on one of those guys. Um, but don't get one of those guys because this is a better deal. This is a way better deal. I was, I was actually looking at this. Um, another buddy of mine was asking, like, should I get this one or the uh, uh, the the Matrix built one, which is uh, right around $1,900 uh, with all the stuff in it, but it's built? Um, or should I get the... Um, there's a BCL build kit you can get. Or should I get... Um, like a stag or something like that, and we I, we looked through them side by side. This is still the better deal if if you appreciate the match barrel, nice forend, nice stock, and the rest of it. Who cares, right? It's still a better deal. uh, uh that's that's it for me. Uh, Kelly, what about you?
1: Uh, I haven't been on in two weeks, so yes, I do not have the virus. I was getting messages from people, are you sick? No, I'm not sick. I've just been busy with work. So, took um, two shows off? Yeah, it's been two shows. Coronavirus. One. Um, so, let's talk about that. So, we're doing extra shows, right? Um, yes? Yeah.
0: yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. You All can right. tell, because we did extra shows.
1: <laughs> Thanks. Um. So, and then... Tonight, I decided I was going to come on back on. I'm still doing a lot of work from home, but I thought I'd say hi, because one guest really interested me, and uh, Trevor was also throwing me under the bus on Tuesday, so hey, I thought I'd come on. Uh, what did I do in the past couple of weeks? I fr- so, I have the best brother in the world. Just wanted to let everybody know that. Um, uh, we were, we've we been talking lately about guns, ammo, He's asking for opinions and things like that about what he should buy with twenty two, and I was telling him buy whatever you can. Um, but he also and I said, do you know if you, you know, if anybody, you know, is uh, has some reloading, um, uh, some reloading stuff because I need it for my twenty eight gauge. And he says, well, I have a brand new in the box Mac Junior that he doesn't need and doesn't want, so he's just going to give it to me. I'm going. You're the best brother. I- Ever. I just love them. So I'm going to be able to reload 28 gauge now. So that's awesome. That's amazing. Yeah. What else? Uh, so yesterday, I um, Trevor actually, he, he gave me a solid. Because he said I was looking for I gave a,
0: you a solid or I did you a solid?
1: That too. <laughs> did did me a solid. Uh, so I said that I was looking for a uh, 243 uh, anything like my nephew my nephew is 14, 14 15 15 years old and then I also have another nephew who's 11 so that's my brother's kids obviously um, they are really into hunting they're really into they're really into shooting so we're looking for a 243 for them uh, and uh, Denise had some in stock so I contacted denis and and, uh, yeah, so we bought one for a Browning from a nephew and my younger nephew, and they're going to be using it. Denise this morning sent me the tracking number for it. So it's fantastic. It was a really, really good deal as well. So awesome. I wanted to say, I wanted to say thank you to Denise for it. I'm going to take pictures and we'll post them. Maybe. I don't know. Kind of. I don't know. Anyways, we'll figure out if, uh, we're allowed to post the pictures later. I got the transfer in. They are actually, it's only been three weeks no, four weeks maybe, the victory. Got the transfer in for it, I'm trying to arrange with the uh, guy that has a, to, to get it to me. Mm-hmm. We were going to go to SFRC. He was going to drive down there. He was going to get a, a trans, uh, an ATT to the gun store for it. I was going to pick it up and then pick up, whatever. Um, but since SFRC is closed, that's not going to happen. And Right now, I'm okay with him having it in his safe for a little bit longer until we figure out what we're going to do with that and what else oh
2: could you could you, I, you just pick it up from his
1: place i could technically i could yes
2: because but, you're the you're the owner so you, right. you, you done, can just if pick it up in
0: your name your license covers you if he wants to deliver it he needs an att if mm-hmm. you want to pick it up you don't
1: i know i told him that and he lives in another city i'd have to go there and that we we're, we're actually probably going to do that um but right now i'm okay with him having it in his safe and for, for another week or two. We it's know in what your happens.
0: name. It should be in your possession. But.
1: I don't know. I don't know. Uh, okay, so Pat, Pat Grandel is a, a listener and a uh, really, really fantastic guy. Uh, he heard that I was taking the Black Badge course or was going to be taking the Black Badge course and also looking at... Uh, no, he's
0: not. <laughs>
1: what? How's he
0: going to take the Black, Black Badge, Badge course? we no, soon.
2: No, there's no course I- going on.
1: Just hold on. I said he heard I was, right? Oh because prior yeah. to everything shutting down. Uh and I need a new a better holster because I had my the C Z holster is actually a duty holster. So uh he sent this in the mail to me. It's um it's a new holster. It's a ghost um stinger. Like. Stinger. Yeah. Anyways, I want to say thank you to him because he sent that in the mail to me. And nice. really fantastic. But black badge course not happening anytime soon. It's supposed to be at the beginning of May, but with everything that's going on, all of the ranges are closed. So thanks, Trevor, for interrupting me. You're
0: that's welcome. Awesome. Look You're forward welcome. to doing it again soon.
1: <laughs> I helped too. I helped. To.
0: <laughs>
2: yeah, it's a team effort.
1: So yeah, so the, go team. Yay! So the other thing uh, about I love um, it
0: when we work together, Adriel. Like the way we, um,
2: what's.
1: I'm going to go eat my. Wings um, again
2: finish each other's uh, hot wings or sandwiches. Yeah, yeah. that's it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Collaborate. So, that's the word. We collaborate, collaborate. on
0: projects. You
1: guys are married. Hmm. Finishing each other's sentences. Sandwiches. I'd like sandwich. to finish sandwiches. your wings. <laughs> sentences. Okay. Done?
0: You're yeah. done? Okay. Right. Moving on. Oh,
1: no, I'm asking if you're done.
0: No, um, you didn't ask a question. You said a statement. You said done, which implied you were done, done what with you did this weekend. Would you get on with it? Aren't you hungry?
1: Yes. Uh, the last thing that I've been doing is working a lot on maple seed because we actually have been putting up, we were looking at putting up the events schedule. Uh, but with the recent changes with uh, closing down of ranges here in Ontario um, and other provinces, we are we're holding off on posting the schedule. We'll re we'll rejig our um, calendar of events so hopefully we'll be able to have um, some more events later in the year too but yeah it's anyways.
2: it's hard to predict what's happening or what's going well, on. happen we don't know yeah. so
1: it, we're we're taking each case uh, each event case by case or and then we'll figure it out basically we'll let people know as well if we need to cancel or if we're actually holding it i don't know anymore that's it that's all i did i guess Cool. I don't think I have anything else.
2: Right.
0: All right. We're gonna skip upcoming events because who the hell knows? <laughs>
2: and... That's a good point. Upcoming events. None coronavirus. <laughs>
0: right. Yeah. All the so news doing is virtual. Adriel. What do you, what have we got for news this week? We, news. we have a new sponsor for this section, but we we're we we're, we're not there yet though. We were supposed to launch the new sponsor live um we'll have to give them an extra episode into the following month but hey uh, we're, yeah, doing it. we're doing June. extra
2: exp- uh, episodes yeah we could uh, yeah. we might as well yeah yeah, well, yeah. you know what
0: we'll do mm-hmm. we'll milk the sponsors for extra money for those bonus episodes It's like hey it's this this is how the this economy is the new works price. this is the <laughs> this is the new bonus episode price
2: i don't want to get i don't want to so. get laid off though trevor from Slamfire, yeah, from Slamfire, not gonna happen. Oh, no, okay. not, not gonna happen. I've got, I got some happen. job stability. <laughs> yeah, for, for sure. More <laughs> yeah. so than I do.
3: <laughs>
2: well, you, you everyone's, do getting, everyone's getting laid off these days. Okay, uh, yeah, we did, we did have one piece of news that was uh, that could have been bad, and this is uh, uh, the federal party Liber- liberals yep. were looking at uh, putting in some legislation that would have given them essentially unchecked power to tax and spend for whatever they wanted to, uh, which could have then been leveraged to buy back our firearms from us. And, uh, uh a with, stuff. With, without a- adding any extra legislation, they could have just yep. done it. And, and that would have been that. And, uh, uh, rightfully so, the opposition, the Conservative Party, uh, called them out on it, and uh, they revised the legislation. So it is it is no longer a uh, a government uh, dictatorship free-for-all uh, on, on our taxpayer money. Which scary, the way? eh? She was close. I, it, you know, I still don't trust whatever they're going to do. Like, no, like of course They're going to tax and spend a lot of money. And they're going to have the opportunity to pick winners and losers because of it. I just do not trust the government to do that without uh, uh, spending it with their friends. Like, you think Mm SNC-Lavalin's going to get any money out of this? Probably. Mm -hmm. Probably going to do all right. Maybe Bombardier, they'll do all right, right?
0: Not just that. Right before the next election, they're just going to promise everybody everything.
2: Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, and that's the other risk is uh, everyone wants like I, everyone uh, uh, wants a, a paycheck uh, yep. and the government's forcing them to stay home. Uh, but what, the, where's this money? This is free money. Where's the money coming from? Either the government's printing it, which is co- going to cause huge inflation for us, or they're taking it out on loan and uh, our kids have to pay for it. Right. Like right. Uh, uh, our,
0: they can't just print it. It's been done before and failed horribly. And Printed any grade K- 10 textbook will, <laughs> will tell you that lesson.
2: Yeah. I've got some, uh, World War II German stamps that are like a million Deutsche marks <laughs> <Right. laughs> to mail some letters. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, fantastic that, uh, at least some small thing was stopped, even though a bunch of egregious stuff is probably going to roll right through. Yeah. Yep. Uh, this is one that we were supposed to bring up last week and I didn't. It's the, uh, the scavenger six. <laughs> it's the ultimate okay. survival weapon. Uh, I think if I was playing Escape from Tarkov, this would be the right gun for uh, to play with. Because... Nice. Oh my god, it's ugly.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's ugly. It's like, all well, right. We did talk
2: about this. No, nope, about this. I, we did not pull it up. No, nope. I uh, I put it shooting in shooting every caliber
1: adjusting. from twenty two to three eight. Awesome.
0: I yeah. Thought, yeah. Man, Doug. Doug asked us about this. He 308 asked 308. us about it. We didn't talk about it on air. I well, swear you know what? I'm then. glad we didn't because it's horrible. Yep. Mm. This mm-hmm. is the stupidest thing ever. Come on, man! It's a, it's a. I don't even want to talk about it. I know it's my job and I have to, but I'm, I'm so distressed.
2: Okay, but you could have like Whoa. four cylinders in your pocket, and like you're scrounging the wastelands where there's like Why? been a nuclear apocalypse, and you find some 308, you put that in your 308 cylinder. Boom! Now you got some 308. Find some nine millimeter. Boom! Throw it in your nine millimeter <laughs> cylinder. Now you got that. Holy crap! I'm surprised this thing doesn't come with, like, a, a ratty backpack that you put it in. It'll and, uh... also
0: shoot 410. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. So it's a shotgun, a pistol, and a rifle all in one. Uh-huh, uh-huh.
1: It's got and a foregrip on it, too. So order now. It's The tagline is, the weapon of choice, one gun yeah. to replace it all.
0: Right, the ultimate survival weapon. You know what?
1: Always well, playing a video. Well,
2: it's very loud. <laughs> I might
0: be pulling in my horns. I might pull in my horns. I might backtrack. I might do that that typical Trevor thing where I come out strong and then go. Wait a second.
2: Wait a minute. What if I put a bipod on this thing and a scope? <laughs> this is what? a DMR. This is this is a close up uh, pistol. It's a DMR. You can do everything with it. No. Yes. No. No. Maybe not. Yes. <laughs> oh i think it's very interesting no. i don't think i'll uh, it's
1: interesting that's for sure
2: i don't think i'll have i'll buy one but i'm, I'm happy that they exist out there uh yeah. canada downrange episode two is uh is live on youtube so you bet if you're bored Barely outside man. yeah and uh you got nothing to the do. the expert
1: we have uh somebody from our own show on the show And he's the expert, apparently. Pro tips. It was actually the pro tips tips section.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I was on there with Rod to discuss getting into IPSC. Yep.
2: Now you're live on YouTube with lots of views. Mm
1: -hmm. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's the Ryan Stacey MDT one as well. Mm -hmm. I think think we'll be seeing me on episode four, maybe. Mm -hmm. I don't know.
0: Yolanda was was all over season one as well, too.
1: Yep. Mm-hmm. the and first episode that, it was awesome
0: right yeah. yeah she can wear the hell of some 511s i just want to
1: <laughs> she can't
0: my, every one of that Yeah.
2: neato okay uh-huh it is
1: actually yeah. uh-huh. uh it's great that it's available on youtube uh, i can't wait that. for
0: season two season two is going to be so much better than season one was
2: yeah. It's going to so, be a lot of dry fire. It's going to be uh, a lot no, of uh, a lot three. of virtual. A lot of virtual. <laughs> that's season three. Inside. Oh, season three. Okay, season two is recorded t- then? Yeah,
0: it's oh, yeah. in the can. Oh, okay. Yeah, season, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah, season yeah. two was the 2019 shooting season.
1: Yeah, it was, uh, it, was, it was even better. Like, they ironed out the kinks a little bit. They got, they got
0: rid of the production company. That's why they ironed out the kinks. They replaced yeah. the production company. Yeah,
2: well, so, season three will have uh virtual... A lot of Google Hangouts uh, 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 footage and (laughs) a lot of Skype and and that kind of thing, right? Zoom meetings, maybe. Yeah, all sorts. Cool. All right. (laughs) So any other news or new guns, Adriel? No, it's like you can't buy stuff. Like you guys said, uh, if you can find a good deal on ammo right now, buy some. Uh, And if you can find a good deal on used stuff. Buy that because uh, it's going to be hard to st- it's going to be hard to find stuff yep. over the next year. Not uh, just that, regardless of of whether you want this for prep or not, you are not going to be able to buy stuff for the next year because the Americans are panic buying everything. All the guns, Glad all the animals are up. gone, and uh, you will not be able to buy. So even if you want to go out hunting or if you want to go do some sports shooting, you're not going to be able to because you're not going to be able to buy stuff. Or if you do, it'll be super <clears> expensive. <throat> like I see a lot of people. Uh, like all the blazer nine millimeter that was really cheap, it's all gone, and uh, now people are using like uh, uh, fancier stuff <laughs> that's that's a lot more expensive. Uh, and the other thing is that the U.S. dollar to Canadian dollar, the difference there is quite large. So yes. all the all the prices on everything's going up. So so um, the
0: solution to everything you just said
2: mm-hmm.
0: is if a well known, well established premium. Canadian manufacturers started to produce AR-15s right here in Canada, so we didn't have to worry about the American supply drying
2: up. Wouldn't that be awesome? We have AR-15
1: manufacturers
2: in Canada, though. We have two.
1: We have have some, yeah, we have a really good one. Well,
0: guess what? I have it on good authority because I had a conversation this morning with a Canadian manufacturer on the telephone. I'm not going to say any names because this is all insider baseball, but we're soon going to have a third AR fifteen Canadian manufacturer. That's cool. And this is cool. yeah. And this is like I said, a premium, well established company with a good reputation. So
1: who is this? It? Come on, you can tell us. Come on. <laughs> Shh. Just between us. I'll I'm not even us.
0: telling you off the air. Whisper it, it let to let the mic. You... Just I'll, whisper it to I'll us. Oh
1: send you some wings. <laughs>
0: now you're talking, Kelly. <laughs> for you? Anyway. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So yeah, stay yeah.
0: tuned for for more on that. Um there's gonna be some AR 15s Hopefully. Uh this is all speculative and uh this is very preliminary, but I was called this morning and asked my opinions and thoughts on you know, non restricted versus restricted, which platform, that sort of thing. And it's like it's a no-brainer, man. Canadians are uppity and they don't like when Canadian companies do stuff and they poop all over them, all over the internet, and they can never do anything right and And the SLR. Well wow. My AR does this. My AR does that. It's not a goddamn AR. How many times do I have to tell you that? It's not an AR. So don't expect it to do everything like an AR. The modern sporter, you know? Oh, it's too expensive. Oh, I got to wait too long. And it's not an AR. And like, okay, I get it. You want an AR. Restricted or not, you want ARs. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. this company going to start with an AR because it's already an established, proven platform that everybody's in love with or throwing their hat into the non-restricted uh ring yep give them what they want some people would rather have a restricted ar than a non-restricted gun because they're just range guys or if uh we end up in a situation where it doesn't matter then it doesn't matter and they're glad to have an ar
2: i would i would argue that the the price to value for an ar is better than any other non-restricted rifle and it's it's substantially better than all the other yeah. non-restricted rifles, the reliability is better, the accuracy is better, the expandability is better, but they're restricted.
0: Right yep. now, the accuracy—well, that depends
2: on the components that it's built with. For uh... price to per- pure price to performance, like oh if you, sure. If you buy up a two-thousand-dollar AR, it's yep. going to be pretty <laughs> swanky. That is a swanky yep. AR you're, you're buying.
0: It really, really is. Mm-hmm. You remember just uh, a few months back? Uh, before the C seventy one scare, you could get American made AR fifteens out the box, out the door for six hundred and fifty dollars plus tax. Yep, yep. Those days are gone. <laughs> yep. <laughs> you didn't if you didn't buy that DPMS Oracle for six fifty when you had the chance, it'll Done. probably never come around again.
2: You know, if if you had enough cash back stopping you as a Canadian AR manufacturer, here's what you do you just pump them out and then you wait until there's a panic. Because there's one every five years, it seems like, right now, with how the Americans buy their ARs. So you just wait for a panic, and when that panic happens, and there are no ARs in Canada to speak of, then you start pulling out of the warehouse, and you start selling those things, and you'll be the only player in the game. (laughs) Look at this.
0: Look at this. This one still has the zip tie around it. This one, I put in a, um, a trigger kit, and the charging handle, but these are STI sequential serial numbers. I got them for two fifty a piece, matched yeah. upper and lowers. Those days are gone. You should sell those. Yeah, get some good money for those right now. What's how am I going to sell it when I can't transfer it to anybody?
2: Well, oh, that's a that's a, another point for another time. But you could sell it and then wait for the yep. transfer.
0: Well, actually, somebody told me today that somebody did get through to the mirror machine. To transfer a gun,
2: I I've been pistol. I've been talking to people as well, and they have yeah. been getting through. One guy had to call like fifty times, but he did yeah. get through. They are actually because right.
0: yeah. this, this this one is paid for. We're just waiting for the mm. for the office to open so I can transfer it. The other one, somebody else has spoken for it, but not paid for it, so yeah. um, they are technically gone. So yeah, okay. Well, uh, let's why don't we jump into the main topic then. All right. For this week's main topic, we have a very special guest, someone who's been on the show uh, at least one time before to talk about uh, some interesting things regarding the long gun registry that we used to have. Um, welcome back, to Slamfire Radio, Dr. Kylan Langman.
3: Thanks. Thanks for having me back.
0: Um, so, Dr. Langman, before we get started into tonight's topic, which of course is uh, COVID 19, um, why don't you tell the listeners? a little bit about yourself and your involvement with the firearms
3: community. Uh, so I'm an emergency medicine specialist and practice in Hamilton here. I have an appointment to McMaster University as a professor. Um, I My involvement in the firearms debate was uh, interest back in early the uh, uh, li- early part of uh, 2010, 2009, when We looked at the numbers of firearms homicides and some of the legislation to see if any of the legislation had any effect and we found that uh, none of the legislation seemed to be associated with a beneficial effect in reducing firearms homicide in Canada. And so consequently uh, that got into the media because it was interesting to them at the time and and the uh, long gun registry debate was going on at that point in time so we uh, was uh, debated in parliament and uh attended a, as a witness to some of the committees there. That was about that,
0: it. Yeah, that's about it. Yeah, that is definitely something I'm not able to do the readers digest condensed version. Um there's a lot more to the story than that. Definitely those of us that have been around for quite some time know the uh, the extent of your involvement. I mean You've been credited by some people with single-handedly dismantling the long gun registry by doing science and um, looking at the data and and publishing a study that that proved nothing, which (laughs) at at the time, it's difficult to get published when your data proves that nothing happened, but that's basically what you were able to prove that all the legislation at the time had zero effect. So why are we doing it? Why are we spending billions of dollars on
3: something that was only supposed to cost 2 million? Um, yeah, so yeah, I, it was interesting after that because uh, they switched their interest to suicide and dropped the homicide debate altogether. Mm, hmm. That's yeah. what they do, right? <laughs> since, it, since then it, it hasn't been refuted. It's, out there and there's been no other real studies that have come out afterwards to uh, refute it
0: right but it was done correctly um, able to be peer-reviewed unlike the uh, doctors for gun control that uh, cite these 19 studies that were written by themselves kind of thing so uh, yeah Um, okay and uh, if i remember correctly you're, you were not initially into the firearms community. You kind of got pulled into it through your medical practice and some concerns about uh, violating patient-doctor confidentiality, sort of, right? They wanted you to report on things that you didn't think you had to report on?
3: Well, I mean, um, the reason I got pulled into it initially was uh, I was looking at the trauma numbers in, in Hamilton at our hospital began to get interested in if any of that, uh, those legislations had an effect because it was uh, such an important issue at the time and there was a lot of media debate and people were publishing editorials say that, saying it had saved you know thousands of lives and we just weren't seeing any real changes um, per se um, that were that dramatic nor were we seeing even dramatic numbers of shootings. So that's sort of how I became interested in it. And then it just took off on its own. Um, Not really, uh, not involved in the firearms community in terms of, you know, being a sports shooter or really anything like that.
0: You do do some, some hunting though, do you not?
3: Uh, Well, considering I work almost all the time. uh, Yeah.
0: Fair enough. Yeah. So, okay. Well, very good. Well then let's transition into why we're here tonight. And that is to get, Um, a physician's perspective uh, on COVID-19 and and to ask you some questions and hopefully dispel some myths. But what caught our attention was the fact that um, you're doing what you do best. And that's uh, basically studying the numbers and publishing uh, some data based on what you're seeing and keeping track of those numbers through graphs on on your Facebook profile. So, Let's we'll, we'll dig into that. But first, let's start off with um, some general topic questions that some people may still need to have answered. And um, can you explain to us what the difference between COVID or how COVID-19 is different from influenza?
3: Well, I mean, basically, it's, a, it's just a different type of virus, but they're both RNA viruses. So your, your body uses a, a mechanism to... Uh, reproduce them in your cells, uh, they both get reproduced the same way. And th- there's some similarities, there's some differences. We think the uh, mortality rate for COVID is, is higher than influenza, but how much higher, we're not quite sure. And that that's possibly related to previous exposure and previous immunity to the various strains of influenza. Um, but some of, some of the some of the other differences are pretty scientific about how it, it enters the body. Um, influenza uses um, different set receptors in your cells to get in than, it, than the COVID virus does, um, but they they kind of function in the same way in that they're both um, sneaky. Um, people probably heard about SARS, I'm sure, and the difference between SARS and and COVID, even though it being the same coronavirus, is that SARS you didn't. You weren't contagious until after you showed symptoms. So You could be isolated. Mm-hmm. You tell that you were you were coming, basically, and put you to isolate you, and you wouldn't spread it around. Even though it, it spreads in the same rate as theoretically as as the uh, COVID nineteen, but with COVID it it hides. So it's like influenza, where you may sort of be, you know, have almost no symptoms or symptoms you would typically ignore like just feeling kind of tired and you're infectious during that time so you can spread it to a large number of people before you even realize that you've done it and so in in that way it's somewhat similar um uh, but but we think it's more deadly and probably because our body our bodies aren't used to it we haven't been exposed to various forms of it before um it also uh can cause this thing where you're Body itself starts spiraling out of control, of your immune system. And it's called a cytokine release. And basically, what happens is uh, your cells start, your immune cells start uh, eating your own body cells. And that causes this damage to your lungs and this thing called ARDS, which uh, is the sort of end stage of, of COVID in terms of the people that die, where their lungs basically eat themselves and basically can no longer function. Influenza can do that, but it doesn't seem to do that as as uh, often as COVID does. Though I mean any practicing physician who practices in the emergency department has seen cases of influenza where even in a young person it, it didn't go well. It's it's rare but it happens. And so some similarities, some differences. I don't wanna to get too scientific where people just put sort of zone out. So
0: Sure. Can, can you continue to uh, compare and contrast um, some more between H1N1 and SARS as far as the way they spread, the way we
3: responded, and the death rates? Well, the problem is is some of the way we record data. So right now we're really zoned in on who, who's dying of COVID, and even even different countries are recording it differently. So. In uh, in Italy, for example, anyone who has tested positive for the virus and they die, even if they die of a heart attack or or something else, they will still die and be considered a COVID death. Whereas in Germany, um, the person would be considered to have died of a heart attack, whether the COVID virus was there or not. With influenza, we don't... We don't do a lot of testing. So what we're doing is these snapshots and then we're estimating. And so there may only be about 3,000 influenza deaths in Canada a year. The number might actually be a lot higher if we tested more. And when we record a patient's death, a cause of death, um, if it's something like heart disease and a heart attack, we're recorded as that even if the patient may have had influenza or pneumonia. Or We may record it together. It might not get recorded. Um, So the data itself is kind of inaccurate. And therefore, it's hard to compare. We don't know. I mean, we think that there's maybe 600,000 influenza deaths a year in the entire world. Um, Those are all estimates. Um, Those are based on sort of like it's like doing a survey, like a political survey. Uh, You take a snapshot and then you extrapolate or make calculations to make your overall estimate and the smaller your sample and the larger the population, the 4 billion people in the world, the bigger error there is in your calculation. So the answer to answer your question, we, we kind of really don't know. And we're sort of learning as we go here with, with this. And so right. I, I think a lot of the numbers are going to be wrong um, initially. Uh, this-
0: H1N1 is um, not that old. SARS is not that old. So um, that's why, you know, people are immediately drawing on that experience. Hey, we didn't react like this for SARS. We didn't react like this for H1N1 and this many people died and and, and you keep hearing different numbers every time it's brought up. So there's that argument about are we overreacting or are we underreacting based on how we reacted to those two,
3: you know, can I even call them pandemics? Yeah, I mean, with, with SARS, I, as I've said, um, the reason it didn't kill as many people as it could, because it was, mortality rate for SARS is pretty high, uh, is it, because it was easy to isolate those people. Anytime someone looks sick, we, we put them in a box. H1N1, we, we, we do have immunity to influenza, and so we think that's why, because we we're immune to another form of it, why it didn't cause as many deaths. and. The pandemic wasn't as dramatic, um, was because it sort of may have been overestimated in terms of the, the number of deaths it was going to cause, and the immunity that we have to it probably limited those deaths. Still, in Italy, um, during the H1N1 uh, um, uh, pandemic in 2009, uh, a couple thousand people did die, and so it's not like it wasn't, you know, just uh. A little thing, it caused a lot of trouble there. Uh, we're kind of we're used to we our hospitals are set up. We're used to we function almost at a hundred percent capacity, and we're used to these sort of uh, stable levels every year of things. And and what we've done is we've added another new virus on top of that, and so that's why we're we're getting a bit overwhelmed in some places is because we're not used to those those levels and. If we were used to it, if we had the systems there, it may not have been as big a deal as as, as people are making it out to be. Um, there's been a, a wide overestimation of deaths. I mean, I still see sometimes people calculating death rates of millions of Canadians uh, from COVID and those numbers don't make any sense.
1: No.
0: Okay, let's uh, talk about how you can um, transmit it, even though you're not showing symptoms. How is it transmitted?
3: Well, it's transmitted by droplet. Um, so when, when we say droplet precautions, we mean things like if you saliva. So the, the virus lives in your oral pharynx or in the back of your throat. And in your spit, if you spit it out, or if you cough on somebody, or if you you know, touch your hands to your mouth, and then shake hands, and then that person touches their hands to their mouth. It, it, it enters through the through these receptors in the lungs, so it goes all the way down into your lungs, and then gets inside these receptors in those cells, and then gets taken up. and Influenza kind of works the same way uh, as that. You can also get inside your digestive system and be taken up by the cells inside your inside your intestines because they're the same kind of cells that are inside your lungs.
0: Do we know how long it lives on surfaces, if at all? And can it be transmitted that way? Someone um, coughed and some droplets landed on a, a table or a railing or something, and I touch it and then I touch my mouth. Is that a, is that a, a risk?
3: Yeah, uh, it would be a risk. Um, it depends how long it's been there. Um, so we, we don't. I don't think we have good numbers for that either, people. There's some studies that are showing that it can last you know, a couple days on on like a table or door handle. It depends on the material. Copper kills uh, a lot of viruses and uh, bacteria, so that kind of surface wouldn't uh, it wouldn't last as long. Um, depends also on what it's contained in. So if it's contained in your saliva, it might actually last longer and uh, be more transmissible that way. Whereas if it was Sort of dry, it, it would uh, desiccate and not last as long. So, I mean, some estimates are saying um, a day or two days. There's wide estimates um, going out there, seven or eight days. I doubt those. But also, the the humidity um, in the air and the sunlight something gets also can change those numbers. So, if you wash your hands, I mean, it's not unless you know you're going around licking uh, door handles and and uh things like that you wash your hands you're generally you're generally doing doing yourself a favor
0: yeah so it's, it's to remember to wash them in situations that we take for granted i go into my mailbox i get my mail i pick a package up off the front step i don't know if the person who dropped that mail off is contagious or not so when i bring that mail in um should i be wiping it down and then washing my hands as well
3: Unless your mailman really doesn't like you, shouldn't be licking your mail. Um, <laughs> but I, I, you know, I think just washing your hands is fine. I don't think you have to uh, put your mail under a UV light and then uh, sterilize oh it with alcohol. Yeah. I think that's probably taking it a little bit to, to the extreme. Okay.
0: Yeah, don't lick your mail. <laughs>
3: <laughs> All right. Um, so what? How
0: how deadly is it? Um, is there an age group that's more? at risk if they get it um are we going to lose kelly kelly's mid-century If she gets it is she gone
3: Um, where i will live how does this work well she's lucky that she's a woman because women survive more than men
1: (laughs) i will i will hang that over his head yeah okay
3: exactly Uh, (laughs) to answer your question um for young people, it appears they're they're very safe. Um, there's been a large number now of uh, epidemiological studies, uh, mostly in China, but also in other countries now, which shows that young people their risk of mortality from this is around 0.2 percent. It's pretty low, uh, probably lower than that. We we those numbers are based on the number of tests that we do, and we think that the actual number of infections in the community is a lot more. So the more infections there are and uh, the lower that number is going to be. And that number is maybe five or six times more than influenza. Um, Whereas if you're elderly and you have a lot of comorbidities, by that I would mean you're a smoker, you have lung disease, if you have heart disease, uh, your risk of mortality is a lot higher. We're looking at numbers of of around 14%, though I've seen other numbers of around 7% from a large study uh, that was done in China, um, which seemed pretty accurate. So, I mean, you don't want to get this if you're older. Um, it's a little bit different from some of the other viruses. Uh, the Spanish flu seemed to take out, influenza seems to take out uh, young people. And the reason we think that it did that, that it primarily targeted that age group, is that the older people had already developed Im- immunity to another strain of influenza earlier, and that gave them immunity to it. Whereas younger people, they didn't have that built up. But I suspect there's a lot of other factors as well involved in this, but just your ability to fight it off cognitively, it makes sense. The older you are, uh, the more frail you are, the less ability you probably have to last on a ventilator, to last in the ICU before something else, before something else kills you. If you look at the data from Italy, the people that are dying, they have significant comorbidities and so they're saying things like 99% of the people in Italy died of something else whether it's a heart attack uh, another co-infection another bacterial pneumonia uh, lung disease there's there's all kinds of things that are factoring into this if you're healthy and you're older you're probably going to have a much lower risk of dying than someone who is younger but has a lot of comorbidities bad lungs from smoking or lung disease or uh, Weak immune system from from immunocompromised issues, so it, it, it's variable. It's it's a number. The individual patient, it might look actually a lot different. Mm.
0: So then, if someone does get it, how is it treated? Are they treating it with antiviral drugs or just respirators? Is every how, how what's the treatment like?
3: So we don't have any accepted treatments right now. Um, there's talk about. Uh, chloroquine, hydroxychloroquine, um, there's a m- number of, I'm not going to name them, but there's a number of of uh, things that interfere with the ability, the ability of the virus to reproduce. Uh, there are things that can dampen down your immune system. If you remember earlier, I was talking about the uh, cytokine storm. So there's a way of interfering with that storm. It might not degrade your lungs if you develop that. A variety of different medications that are going to be studied. Um, we're conducting a study at McMaster actually after this I'm going to have to go look through it and um, hopefully approve it for for uh, Canada here. So a number of universities are going to be looking at patients and we're going to try they're going to try a number of different uh, of different medications. One is one of these blockers that interferes with the reproduction of the virus another one is chloroquine so we can look at that as well. Um, so right now, um, most of the patients being treated aren't getting anything more than oxygen or if they need assistance with ventilation, they'll be getting intubated and ventilated and, and that's it. We're letting the body fight it at this point.
0: The good ventilated. Okay. Um, peak people talk about peaks all the time. Um, Can any speculation as to when we can expect to see a peak here in Canada? Maybe specifically you've been tracking Ontario numbers. Uh, Have you been able to extrapolate um, any predictions based on Italy or China when it comes to a a peak?
3: Oh, saying anything about Canada right now, I think is probably premature. Mm -hmm. If we look at some of the other places, we're probably looking at two, three weeks to see a peak. Or even four and when we come out of this right now is is uh, hard to say um, I'm tracking the Ontario numbers but right now the, the numbers are so small and we've only got a few days worth I think about uh, 10 days or so really so it's hard to say anything from that once we start to what you're gonna look for and you're not looking at total numbers what you want to look at is the rate of change so you're looking at the daily rate of change, daily rate of growth and the daily rate of, of deaths. And when that number starts, to f- that rate of change starts to fall, that's when you start to th- see that, see it peak out. And so I just put up a calculation for Italy the other day. Um, yeah. And uh, I think we're seeing the peak there. Um, and probably it'll start peaking over the next uh, week and hopefully start declining. And, uh, unless of course there's another um, breakout or another you know another area gets a gets a pandemic a local pandemic but you know if it all goes well you'll see it starting to slow down that's what you're looking at and then you're applying some mathematical models to it um, things called logistic and gamma distributions because it kind of reflects the way uh, the virus spreads based on other viral spreads influenza and and other viruses and you try and apply that to the model and then using that you can try and predict when the peak is um basically
0: okay so it's it's been discussed a lot but i don't think it can be uh, overstated can you go through some of the things that people should be doing in order to avoid becoming infected
3: I think the most important thing anyone can do, and I actually haven't heard it, heard it stated a lot, and I think it should be, is that elderly people or people who have weak immune systems need to isolate themselves. It's pretty obvious. If you aren't around anyone who's infected, you're not going to get infected. Right. If we do that alone, um, a lot of the models show that that can make a huge difference in mortality rates and death rates because... It's affecting the older people. If you isolate them, get them out of the system, uh, they won't be infected. The death rates will go down. Whereas most young people, they can probably go to Florida, have a beach party. As long as they go home and isolate themselves, probably not many people are going to be affected. So I think that's the main thing that we need to do. We really need to say that. So if you know people that are older, your parents, other you know people that... Uh, your community, you should probably not go visit them, isolate yourself from them, and help them by delivering groceries and other essentials so that they don't have to go up to the community. And that um, estimations uh, from Imperial College in Britain, some of the best modelers. Um, they show that can decrease the death rate alone by around 50%. So that's a huge, huge decrease, a huge impact. Things like closing the schools. Um, much uh, smaller decline in in the death rates and spread. Obviously, social social isolation is important, and that um, can reduce the rates of spread too, as well. Um, somewhere around thirty uh, percent. So it, all those things can have a large impact. Um, I mean, you have to balance this with uh, economic necessities. Um, this is going to have a huge impact on the economy. It already has. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's a moral and ethical and economic debate, dilemma. I think I think we're going to start seeing some more targeted strategies. Mm-hmm. More likely isolation of elderly. Um, allowing people to go on, workers that work in retirement and long-term care homes, allowing them to go on vacation and then come back without uh, quarantining themselves, I think that's going to in retrospect, it's going to look like a big failure. And um, so, I mean, once we see an outbreak in, in, in long-term care, that's, that's really when we start seeing the patients come in.
0: Yeah, the uh, Quarantine Act was uh, enacted today. Um, why does Quebec have such high numbers? Is it because they're testing more than the rest of us or is it because they warrant social distancing or isolating like they were supposed to. Any thoughts on, on the Quebec numbers?
3: Hard to say. Um, Are they testing more than the rest of us? I think Ontario is, uh, is doing testing um, pretty much up there, the same, same rate as all the other uh, provinces in Quebec's somewhat similar. So it's hard to say uh, what exactly is going on there. And we, we're going to see probably shifts in, in uh in the graphs as well, because, uh, when testing kind of ramps up in a certain area, then you'll get more, more patients. So if an area of a local area has more of a pandemic, um, so if a nursing home has a breakout, you're going to start testing all those people in the home, you're going to test their contacts. And so you will see shifts as well. Cure, um, testing, like I said before, testing, it's hard to say what it means. Um, as you say, places could be testing more, places could be using a, a, a more um, stringent uh, determination of whether they're going to test somebody. Um, you really have to look at the rate of increase rather than the numbers. And, and the numbers of deaths, as I said, is even kind of confusing as well. So Really we want to look at rates. So if a place mm. tests the same way they always test, then the rate is going to mean something.
0: Well, that's perfect segue into the next topic, which is the rates of increase. And every couple of days, you are publishing data in a graph form based on the numbers in Ontario. The uh, rate of increase, specifically, um, what what are those numbers telling you so
3: far? Numbers are telling me that we're on the what I call call the exponential part of the curve. So, it's the uh, the rate of increase is around twenty percent. Um, every day around that roughly and so we aren't seeing a decrease yet in those rates and that rate of increase is it's higher than it's high it's not as high as what we saw in Italy Um,
0: so explain that 20% does that mean like uh tomorrow you'll have 20% more cases than you have today
3: yeah that's what that means that's scary so and if you look at other countries, um, Italy, Italy was getting around thirty eight percent increases and a day, uh, whereas Korea was getting uh, tiny increases. Um, South Korea, uh, mm-hmm. where you know eleven or ten, and so the question is why? Why are we getting so many increases? Is is it testing? Um, is testing broadened? Is are we doing things wrong? Are we not isolating ourselves as much as we should be? I think the retrospective scope will tell us a lot, but right now it, it could just be that some of the tests are making it through the lab faster. And that could all all mean all that could all it mean. It might mean um, there's a lot of different uh, factors there, but we're going to track it over a period of time and uh, not just rely on one or two days worth of data, right?
0: Mm. How many days are you in now? When did you start that you were able to come up with this 20% a day? When did you start? Publishing the uh, the graphs.
3: Uh, so I started, I can get that for you. Um, I started uh, roughly, uh, on the 8th is when I started looking at it. And that was because you know, we didn't have very many cases at that point in time. And right. so it's, uh, it's the 26th now. So so that's uh, been a few weeks.
0: Hmm. Okay, so we talked about uh, when we think we might see a peak. Um, can you kind of um, take a, a guess as to when you may think we get back to normal? Life goes on. We can stop self-isolating. This thing is beat. You hear well, uh, such crazy numbers all over the place.
3: It depends. Like like we like we talked about earlier. There's there's a lot of unknowns here. Uh, I read couple studies now and the Imperial College has changed their study as well and accepted this uh, where Dr. Gupta, uh, an epidemiologist in in Britain, uh, she thinks that around 50% of us have already been exposed and we've already gone through this and, and we're walking around with herd immunity right now. And uh, the modelers in the Imperial College uh, seem to have accepted that today, um, that there's probably a lot more herd immunity out there than we thought. Um, Based on some of my models, we're looking around the 26th of April um, for sort of the peak um, for us in Ontario, if things stay the same way they are now. But you could get second, third, fourth bikes or pandemics. Um, As soon as you let people out of isolation or as soon as people get comfortable, which I imagine will probably happen first, um, there's going to be more people that get infected, right? So you can get another spike and some people are saying we may have to have several rounds of this uh, lockdown and uh, it could be damaging to the, it could probably be really damaging to the economy but it can also be damaging to patients. Uh, we are we're not doing things that we normally do right now, so we're not doing elective operations. And if you know, if you're waiting for a hip, that's a big deal. Um, that, there's mortality with that um, because you're not mobile. You're sitting around. You're you're getting weak, and then you get pneumonia or you fall down. So those things are associated with mortality. Um, we're not doing our cardiac testing has decreased. Um, we we're not uh, running a lot of our cardiac testing places to determine. Uh, whether people have heart disease and blockages, um, so exercise stress testing, that shutting down. So all those things that we're not doing right now, um, we're not doing colonoscopies where we're looking for uh, cancer in, in the bowel, all those things that being shut down, that's going to affect people as well. And there's that underlying mortality. So the more lockdown we do, the more other deaths are occurring.
0: Yeah, we're we're getting rid of our early detection system, well, which we have for a reason.
2: Think of think of everyone sitting at home, uh, not doing any exercise, eating crappy food, and getting fatter, <laughs> and and uh, getting uh, more in risk for uh, heart failure and that kind of thing, right?
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if, if you know a few months is going to change much, but I, I suppose you know, the longer this goes on, the worse it could get, and people, you know, people develop habits. You know, they won't. Uh, People are going to lose their jobs, um, probably going to see a lot of small businesses shut down. Um, a lot of people have their life savings invested in their small businesses, is not a little thing.
0: Yeah, And so, suicide rates are already on the rise.
3: You're going to see suicide increase as well, that's where I was getting with that too. Uh, so this is not a little thing. Um, people can go on Facebook and virtue signal about how good they are at isolating themselves But I mean, it's easy for some people if you know, if you got a a good job or
1: the ability to stay at home and work from home, right?
3: Exactly. My heart goes out to those people that that don't. And there's a lot of people out there that don't have that ability. And they're going to be out, they're going to come out and they're going to start doing what they have to do to live. So, I mean, you know, people, you'll make fun of Donald Trump, you know, but uh, you did have a good point where some tough decisions are going to have to be made, how we're going to balance this. And I, I don't really hear a lot of people talking about that. And I think that I think there's several things we're going to look back at in this. One is we're going to look back and there's going to be a lot of studies questioning, did we do the right thing? Did we cause more damage? Did we hurt people even more? Um, should there be other ways to do it, such as locking down uh, long-term cares? Uh, isolating the elderly, that kind of th- that, that kind of thing, um, as well as did we harm other people inter- medically um, because they're not getting their stuff, their procedures done, and can we keep this going? Um, and or did it even have much an effect? Um, it may not even have had an effect or significant significant effect because people just kept working anyway. Um, it's going to be. It's going to generate a lot of academic interest, uh, probably a lot of arguments. Um,
0: <laughs> yep. Yeah. Hindsight Toys oh, 2020. We'll have all the
3: answers when it's done, of course. We'll have all those. Well, people still argue. It doesn't matter. You know the, <laughs> yep. Someone's going to have a study proving something. Well, I mean, the Speaking interesting
2: of- thing is that we've got kind of a natural experiment happening here where different countries are doing very different things. We're yep. going to be able to see which ones take... At the very least, the, the easy-to-measure stuff will be how much economic damage each of these yep. countries did to themselves with the measures that they chose to to uh, put in place, right? And I think that's going to be one thing that we're going to be able to take a look at and say, you know, Denmark did this, Canada did that, the U.S. did that. Who came out of this thing and uh, had a, an economy that was completely devastated? What was their unemployment like afterwards? Uh, what was the suicide rates uh, in each of these countries? At least we'll
3: be able to get that out of it.
2: Because that yeah, damage I, is, is incredible right now.
3: I, I like I like the way you think in terms of uh, of the uh, potential studies. Um, a lot of people are <laughs> a lot of people are looking at uh, the United States as a as a possible sort of mini a many many testing ground for this because some states are doing entirely different things than other mm-hmm. states.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, what's the growth rate in the U.S. Li- right now? Uh, it seems high. crazy. Yeah.
3: Um, it's, I think, but their uh,
1: population uh, density is quite high, too. I think it's
3: around 30%. But then also look at the United States, right? Yep. This is the most powerful, largest country in the world where people are flying everywhere, managing right. overseas businesses. So you got all these people landing in New York and, and Los Angeles. And they're all coming from all different parts in the world, um, hundreds of these people. Uh, and, and so they're... It's like they got a meteor shower of uh, of infected people landing in their country, and mm-hmm. so that's gonna that's it's gonna blow up. Um, I don't think we're gonna see the astronomical death rates that people are talking about.
1: Okay.
3: It's, it's definitely gonna be significant, though.
1: What's the recovery rate? So, people that are getting it, what's the percentage for recovery rate? Because we're always talking about death rate. Let's talk about something, yeah. you know. Happy. so yeah. happy well it's not happy but let's talk a little bit about the recovery right well
3: um, it totally depends so most people don't even notice much at all it's like getting the influenza right yeah. so if you're tired afterwards a little bit of uh, a little bit of extra, you know coughing post infectious cough that goes on for a few weeks or months and that's it and that's the vast majority of people even elderly people that get it vast majority uh, will be fine and we'll have no long-term consequences that we know of. Um, the question is, those people, I think your question might be those people that end up in the ICU or, yeah.
1: Those more serious cases.
3: Right. So we don't know. Um, about 67% of people die who enter the ICU. So that's high. And the reason they're getting there is because of ARDS, which is this... Uh, disease in the lungs where the lungs start breaking down and people that come out of that are seriously affected generally Um, they have poor lung capacity um, so their exercise tolerance goes down significantly Takes them sometimes months to recover sometimes they never do Um, their lungs can be permanently scarred most people who get the lung scarring that you're seeing uh, a large percentage of those are fine that scarring goes away Um, But some people are left with permanent scars, um, something called pulmonary artery hypertension, where the blood is like going through a high-pressure area when it tries to get into the lungs, so it causes secondary uh, backup in the heart and then heart disease afterwards. So all these things, um, if you end up in the ICU, you're probably looking at going to be a long road to recovery. It's still a good thing, uh, but but it's not an easy thing. And we, we still don't know. Um, a lot of the studies from China show that uh, uh, people that do get out of the ICU, they tend to do well, but I've seen a lot of cases that uh, end up with this uh, lung damage who, who end up with long-term consequences. I mean, they can still have a quality of life, they can still live at home, but uh, they will get shorter, shorter breath earlier. And if they get another infection, they're more at risk for or damage or or death.
0: You talked about herd um, immunity chances are that, you know, in some areas 50% of the population's already been exposed. Can you get it twice? If I get it, I'm hospitalized, I do the whole respirator thing, I recover, I come out of the ICU, um am I am I good to go from now on or can I get it a second time?
3: So we're hearing a lot about that and my suspicion is, is it's got to do with what we call an, a false negative test. So, in order to be considered um, recovered from this uh, virus, you have to have two uh, tests uh, now for this. Uh, it's a PCR. It's a type of reproduction test. And they both have to be negative, which means you don't have it any longer living in you. Um, the problem is that there's something called a false negative rate where... Yeah. A test might say it's negative, but you really still have it. And so, if that rate is high, someone can tell you that you don't have it anymore, but you might actually do. And probably the viral load or the amount of virus in you is very low, and so the test will say it's negative even though it's not. And then the person might get sick again because the virus starts reproducing and and making them unwell. Um, the, the other question is whether it changes, mutates, and it changes its. Um, Some of the things that the body used, called epitopes, that it uses to identify the virus. And so then starts growing out of control again because it's mutated. So because the body can't no longer identify it. Uh, My suspicion is what we're seeing with these reoccurrences is the false negative testing. I think you will be able to get this again. It will be a different strain like influenza. um, And there will be a vaccine for it in the future. And we get influenza and COVID vaccine as well. Uh, but I think it's too early to say that we're seeing, you know, in one person have it uh, mutate that that dramatically, and then they get reinfected. Maybe there's one or two, but but I, I would think that would be pretty low uh, possibility.
0: Okay. How is the um, is? They're a legitimate, credible concern right now with the uh, supply of PPEs in, in the country and in the hospitals. I heard today that in February, Trudeau sent, I forget the number, but he sent PPE supplies to China. The country that makes them, that we buy them from, he gave some of our supplies back to them. So yeah. did that put us in jeopardy? Are our numbers fine? Are we producing them? Where are we with that?
3: So right now, um, there are some hospitals that did actually run. So there's several different forms of PPE. Uh, we use surgical masks just for interacting. So I'm going to see you as a patient where you're just sitting there. We wear a surgical mask. And then we wear a face shield and a gown. And then there's N95 masks, and we only use those when we're going to intubate somebody. That is when we're going to put them on the ventilator. And so the reason we use the N95 is because the, the, the virus aerosolizes, gets in the air when you do that kind of procedure. And then you can get it all over your body and then and then get infected. And so we use those N95s to keep from breathing it in. Um so we're running out of surgical masks. There were some hospitals that actually did run out um, in our area. And, of course, supplies were shifted to them. But, you know, if no one shifted them, the supplies, they would have run out. Um, we are trying to conserve supplies, so um, we're reusing supplies. We're, we're reusing uh, surgical masks. Um, data trying to get the numbers I've asked for them several times and the last time I asked for them I was told everything was fine and then um, a week later I was informed that we were running out so at the rate we were going the rate of use uh, whether Trudeau uh, uh, added to that by sending 16 tons of supplies to China I don't know because I don't have that data specifically Um, May have done it to simply uh, hope that they will return the favor when our time comes. We'll see. Our time um, is now. Like I can't really answer that question. Uh, what I can say is, if you if you have them at home uh, for whatever reason, you don't need them. You don't need them to okay. go on the subway. You don't need them to go to the grocery stores. Donate them to the hospital because if they don't have them there, they're not going to. People aren't going to see patients. People. Doctors, nurses—they're going to drop out. They're going to not show up if they don't have protection, and we don't want that situation happening. Um, Ontario had stored a large supply of this, uh, these, this equipment post SARS. Um, threw a lot of it away several years ago, and some of the stuff we have now has expired. So the masks themselves they don't expire, but the elastic band around it does. You know. Plastic bands get brittle as they get older. They dry out, yeah. yeah. So that's the issue there. So um, they tell me now that we've um, been able to secure a large number of masks. We'll see. Um, what I'm seeing on the ground uh, is that we're still conserving. And the community has really stepped up. Um, a lot of companies have donated masks to our hospital and to hospitals in the area. The uh, general population has. So it's, it's good to see that happening. There's no reason that anyone needs to have them at home per se. I mean, and you certainly don't need a lot if you're going to have them. If you maintain a good distance away from other people, you're not going to get. You know, someone you basically have to. Someone has to cough right in your face, to, and and you have to breathe it in. And and uh, as long as you maintain a good distance, uh, you're, you're fine. The rate of spread from one the chance of spread sorry, from one person to another is only one to two percent. So it's pretty low. Not like if you're just around a person in the same room, you're gonna get it. It takes quite a bit of effort. Um so stop looking door handles. Sure.
0: Fine. And windows too, I suppose.
3: Windows, yeah, that's not how you clean them.
0: Man, this is tough. All right. This has been awesome. Super informative. Um, is there anything, Kelly or Adriel, that you guys want to bring up before we let the doctor get back to
1: work?
2: No, I think no- nothing serious, at least.
1: Okay. No. Nope. <laughs> yeah. I actually had a whole bunch of questions for you and the whole entire thing, you had, actually. Um, you answered all of them. So thank you for doing that. Perfect. No problem.
0: All right, Adrian, you sure you don't want to ask him any zombie-related questions? <laughs> I will allow it. Now's your now's your chance. No,
2: yeah. a zombie invasion was what I asked for,
3: not a virus infection. Yeah. yeah. So why do we get this? Yeah. yeah. So which, it's awesome. which team would Trevor play on, the zombie team or the human team? Uh, both. sides. He's a yeah. guy that likes yeah. both sides. Play both sides. Yep. The
2: table.
3: Yeah. <laughs> I can yeah.
0: see that. I'm the first one to put the guts on and and blend in. oh dr lamon thank you so much for making time in your busy schedule to join us tonight and help put um some information out there dispel some myths and put our listeners minds at ease uh it means a tremendous amount and we really appreciate your time thank you
3: no problem thanks a lot
0: Stay, stay safe and keep fighting the good fight
1: thank you thanks for coming up
0: Thanks again to Dr. Colin Langman for coming on to dispel some myths and educate us and answer some questions. And uh, he is a very modest individual and downplays um, the significant impact he had on um, the firearms community and industry here in Canada. Not the industry so much, but the firearms community. Um, Just super uh, guy. And the fact that he was able to make himself available to us Um, it's phenomenal because he, you know, he is a busy, busy man. So thank you again. uh, I really appreciate it. Listener feedback is sponsored by Armory DC Gunsmith. Armory DC Gunsmith is a full service gunsmith who specializes in firearm refinishing. He offers hot blowing, park rising, Cerakote finishes, as well as wood refinishing. Check out the online inventory of new and used guns, firearms, accessories, optics, and more at www.dc.com gunsmith.CA you can also follow him on Instagram and Facebook. there's lots of stuff in stock um, still on sale there's uh, Boogaloo ammo in there there's lots of surplus 7.62 by 39 newly manufactured 308 you're
2: gonna get you're gonna get us flagged even more by saying boogaloo so many times on the show I, <laughs> I swear that is gonna get us flagged before anything else. Even if you, you could, we have to say like the big igloo or something like that, or, or you just keep, keep moving it to another, uh, uh, what do you call it, euphemism or another word for it? And just it's keep It's not euphemism. Nope. We're nope. going to keep ahead of, All right. well, I'm not a school teacher. Stop I saying boogaloo. Okay. Look, I'm wearing my Hawaiian
0: shirt.
1: How, okay. How many times have you said it in the past two minutes? Don't care. <laughs>
2: boogaloo, 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 <laughs> boogaloo. Boogaloo, <laughs> boogaloo, boogaloo. <laughs> Electric boogaloo part two. Right. So
0: anyway, um, he's got um, Typhoons and Darius and uh, uh, Benelli M4 clones in there. Um, You can't go into the store. You can purchase online, pick your order up at the door, or you can purchase online, have it shipped. You can email, you can Facebook. There's all kinds of ways to get a hold of them. And uh, because there's no customers coming in at the store, Gunsmithing jobs are still a thing that's happening. He's back there working all day doing gunsmithing work. So if you got something in there, it's getting done. If you want to ship something, Canada Post is still shipping. So you can ship your gun there and get it worked on and have it shipped back. So um the first one, uh, Kelly would like to read this. No, it's I don't Spencer actually the whale. No, all right, no, then I'm, Adriel, take, take it okay. away.
2: Thank you. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. Uh, quite welcome. <laughs> from
0: Spencer. Does he laugh when we fight over who wants to read his emails? Because they're not just snap
2: emails. Like, they're yeah. well-written. They're just significant. Long. They're like him. They're big. It's a lot of reading in there. Hey, guys. Yep. giver. It's been a while, but I thought I'd try and catch up a bit while I'm in house arrest, a.k.a. mandatory telecommuting. I never thought I would miss the Atlanta commute, but after a week and a half of being forced to shelter in place, you start to miss the strangest things. Uh, anyway, on to the good stuff. Since my New Year's resolution was to become less whale-like, I told myself I wouldn't buy any new firearms in 2020 until I lost 50 pounds. Cool! Lucky for me, December 31st was a Tuesday and I had the day off. <laughs> I went to the gun store to buy a Smith & Wesson 610, a very cool 10 millimeter revolver they had on sale. That's when I saw my first Tavor 7 in the wild. They had been delayed for almost a year after being announced due to some undisclosed issues they had with the first batch of them. Uh, But they were on the shelves now. After all the trouble I had with the Desert Tech MDR I picked up in 2019, the last thing I needed was another 308 bullpup with a history of problems. So, of course, I picked it up then and there. Uh, Side by side, the Desert Tech is the nicer rifle, at least in the looks department. The Tavor is a lot blockier, and the ergonomics are slightly worse than the MDR in some ways. One way the Tavor beats the MDR is the location of the gas regulator. The adjustment for the Tavor is easily accessible on the front of the gun, while the MDR is buried under the handguard. They both have a standard AR-style mag catches, but the bolt release on the Tavor is different and takes a little getting used to. They are both ambidextrous guns, but the MDR has duplicates of all the controls, including the charging handle, while the Tavor requires a field strip to swap that from side to side. The MDR can also change which side it ejects from just by swapping the ejection port covers while you have to take the Tavor down to do the same procedure on it. The bolt release on the Tavor is a paddle just in front of the magwell, which is different but works well for either hand. One thing that's worlds apart is the basic reliability. The MDR gave me fits when I first got it. I don't think I made it through 10 rounds at a time without it jamming up. Since I wasn't alone with this issue, Desert Tech came up with a series of fixes, and after sending the gun back to them, it's running like a champ now. Still, it took them roughly four months to get their design to actually work in the real world, and get existing guns fixed. My experience with the Tavor was completely the opposite. I took it out of the box, packed up a dozen types of Surp and commercial ammo, and took it to the range. It performed flawlessly, working with every type of ammo I fed it. The only ammo it wouldn't cycle was some subsonic 308 that I had intended for bolt guns, uh, which I hadn't expected to work anyway. The MDR got its new reliability by being seriously overgassed. This extra force is needed to power the forward ejection system reliably. Unfortunately, this makes it a problem with a suppressor since the gas literally pours out of every joint with each shot, even on the suppressor setting. I actually have an OSS low back pressure can ordered, but there's still a few months to go before I get the stamp. The Tavor is just fine with a suppressor, though, and cycled all the various ammo I tried to shoot on the suppressed setting without a hiccup at all. Shooting the subsonic 308 through it was a hoot. You never really think of a 308 and quiet together, but it's actually a pretty good combo as long as you don't mind cycling the rifle manually. Overall, I'd say the Tavor is the better of the two rifles. It's definitely more reliable out of the box. And while it doesn't have all the whiz-bang features of the MDR, it's also $700 US cheaper. And if you ru- want to run a suppressor, it's really the only choice between the two. There's lots more I could say. but You guys whine like little babies if I write more than a page or so, so I'll cut it off there. <laughs> Stay healthy, from Spencer. Uh P.S. Sorry, Trevor, but there's no Mr. Wyndham associated with Bushmaster or Wyndham Weaponry. The original Bushmaster and the current Wyndham Weaponry are located in Wyndham, Maine. The man who started both go of them figure. was Richard Dyke. Some people just don't think when they name kids, do they? <laughs> <Yeah>. Dick Dyke. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> uh, Dick sold Bushmaster to Freedom Group for $70 million in 2006, then had to wait for five years due to a non-compete clause before he could start Wyndham. His stated goal was Damn. to bring back jobs to the area after Freedom Group moved manufacturing out to Remington, Who has now shut down the brand entirely. (laughs) Isn't that funny how some brands do that? They buy a brand because they think they're going to do stuff with it and they just kill it?
0: No, keep reading.
2: (sighs) Okay. Interestingly, he sold Bushmaster partly because one of their guns was used by the DC Sniper, who was shooting people on the highways around Washington. Oh, yeah. The killer had stolen the gun from a sporting goods store, but somehow both Bushmaster and the, record, the gun store were held liable and had huge civil judgments uh, assessed against them. This was Crazy. one of the reason gun companies and dealers got federal protection under the Lawful Commerce in Arms Act in 2005. Yeah. Uh,
0: There's a great audiobook about the DC sniper shooting. If anyone's interested, just Google audiobook DC sniper. Mm-hmm. Can't remember the name.
2: Awesome. Uh, now we see Remington Outdoors, which inherited Bushmaster, closing the brand down because of the current lawsuit filed in Connecticut state court, trying to hold them responsible for the Sandy Hook massacre. Some things never change.
0: Hmm. Yeah. So I had a lot of facts wrong with that story. I um. That's about pretty the, good
2: for the show, though. Yeah. Well, people expect that. I
0: mean. I repeated what I was told from a very good source, someone who actually sells Wyndham. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, but uh, maybe I got it wrong. But anyway, it's awesome that he wrote in with the, uh, with that, uh, with the facts. Uh, I don't the mind correction. being corrected at yeah. all. We should put corrections at the start of the show.
2: These are the corrections yeah, we from our, eh? our preceding show. <laughs> what yeah, we said wrong. editorial
0: <laughs> note. These are the things we got wrong last week. God, it would take more time than what I did this week in guns. <laughs> All right, yeah, so um, this one comes to us from Francis. and says, guys.
1: Oh, no, you're leaving me.
0: <laughs> you should change the name of the show to the Glock Fanboy Show. No oh, mention yeah. of Ruger. Okay, so we did mention Ruger. Go back and listen. We talked about the SR9. Matthew having one, me having <laughs> one. Adriel talked about the Ruger American. I see tons of great great reviews for Canik. But you did not mention it we also mentioned kanik smith and wesson got a little discussion but not the uh proportion to the number sold so here's the thing the topic was in my opinion what do i recommend as a first pistol so we weren't going to talk about every pistol for the sake of talking about them i was asked a poignant question trevor what do you recommend for a first pistol lastly you seem to say that being a top competitive shooter involves the right gun once again, go back and listen to um, the catalog of episodes. Myself being an instructor, Adriel assisting on courses that Matthew and I have instructed. We harp all the time that um, it's base, it's the um, mastering of the fundamentals that wins matches, not guns. So, no, this whole thing about no practice, no talent, more practice with good coaching, shooting lots of matches, and lastly, equipment. Um so no, we don't believe that. We believe that coaching and mastering the fundamentals are what matters. And mm-hmm. But again, that wasn't the topic. The topic wasn't about how to get good. The topic was, Trevor, what do you recommend for a first gun? Buying the best equipment is easy, practice is hard. That's correct. I do not own a Glock, but I have shot a number of them, and the grip feels like a one by 3 board, and the triggers are, of, are various flavors of awful. Thanks, Francis. Um, yeah, you're not wrong about their ergonomics. They don't fit everybody. If they do fit you, they can be a great first gun. Remember, that's what the topic was.
2: And what, in uh, your opinion,
0: it's a good first gun.
2: And, and one of the things that, uh, um, new people don't know what a gun, what a good grip even feels like. I think, right. I think that too many people think <laughs> that, uh, a, a first pistol is a personal decision and it kind of is. But also, you kind of don't really know what you're t- what you're doing, anyways. It'd be like mm-hmm. uh, uh, asking someone, "What should your uh, what, should, what should your first race car be?" And people will be like, "Oh, I don't know. I, I this this one's got cup holders in the right spot, I guess. So I like this one." Possibly, uh, the other day, I was like, "Mike, try try the
0: trigger I did on my CZ," and he's like, "It's wasted on me, man. I haven't pulled enough pistol triggers to know what a good one feels like." And he's got a black badge and shoots matches, mm-hmm. so you know. Case in point, Adriel, right? Like a not just a new person doesn't always know. People would they could possibly come around shooting longer than I have, but yeah. hasn't had the pistol experience that I've had. It's just the way it goes.
2: Yeah, yeah. I think and, and I the think that I think that the reason for that show, or at least the thing that I ran into, was um, people asking about weird pistols for a first pistol or ones that would just be objectively not as good or a lot more expensive for no performance benefit. Uh because that's what I've been seeing a lot of in Reddit is people saying, Well, should I get one of these uh, I'm gonna name it specifically Beretta 92 Extreme or something like that for IpsyC and, uh, and I was like, No, no, don't get that, don't get that for IpsyC. You can if you want, but you're gonna be spending twice as much uh as a as a CZ Shadow and it will shoot uh no better and it may shoot worse. Hmm. And I think that, yep. that that was the thing that I was trying to get across is four new shooters. Just get something plain and uh, popular and consistent, and then uh, and then sell
0: it. Yeah, like, and we we didn't even really go at it specifically from a first pistol specifically for IPSC, did we? No,
2: no, we right. had a couple of different ideas in there. We right. talked about nineteen elevens, we talked about IPSC. we talked about a couple of different ideas there. Yeah, yeah.
1: my suggestion is Francis, uh, go back and you know um, go back to the beginning of the the. The podcast and start working way through because, truly, Trevor was a fanboy of Glock, and then it got—he's changed his mind so much over the past three years.
2: But we've always years. talked about training. Training is
1: forty-two problem. years. Yes. But, yeah. Training, but. training, training.
0: So here's how I feel about Glocks, though. <laughs> Just yes. In case anyone forgot. So.
2: If you if you like had them. to if you had to use one in a combat scenario, you would choose a Glock. Yeah. They're lightweight, they have a high capacity, they're yeah. super Can't... reliable.
1: No safety, you can throw them, stomp on them, mm-hmm. they'll still work.
2: And your friends probably have Glocks too, so. Yeah. But if I had a Glock 19 mm-hmm.
0: and a CZ P10, I would take the CZ P10.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Better ergonomics, less mm. less one by three. But yeah. if I didn't have a CZP-10, I'd be happy with a block 19. So, okay, Kelly. Oh, it's yeah. time.
1: Ginger snap, everybody.
0: His kid um, called me the other day. I'm not okay. even kidding. Out of the blue. Phone She's rings. So cute. Okay. And it's like, hey, it's one of the mini snaps. I'm like, hey, what's up? That's <laughs> awesome. What's she uh, what did she call for? Oh, she asked me some Oak Island stuff. They were watching Oak Island, so she called me and asked me about Oak Island. Yeah, it was
1: awesome. His kids are adorable.
0: I know. It's like they're not even his.
1: Yeah, that's true.
0: I met the mom. They're so definitely the moms.
1: <laughs> all right. Can I read this?
0: Oh, can you? Probably not. <laughs>
1: Probably not. Okay. <laughs> what is cousin flipping Parnation, Alabama, Betty Crocker, Miss Ducking, Betty White is up with the world today? Two weeks off, and all my guns are built. Now I'm going to take them apart just to rebuild them again. <laughs> Nothing else to do. Sarah Don't like it. Well well, sandblast and try again. I I know it's awesome.
3: It's
0: literally what you can do.
1: (sighs) Glad I know the owner of Can Arms Coating. Uh for all your Sarah Coat needs. That's W, W, W. Uh (laughs) Don't even finish that sentence (laughs)
0: until he pays to be a sponsor. We have a sponsor who does refinishing.
1: He does a great job with it, by the way. Go ahead. Astronaut Denis. Okay, I really hate having too many spare parts and not having enough of them to build another non-restricted uh, two-two-three or a good old three-zero-eight. I can't fit any more in my safe. And by the way, screw that six-point-five scene. More it can pound salt with all those man buns, buddies. Email can go to manbuns trevorf at camilton dot com. Camp.
0: Camp. Cam-
1: camp. Uh, Cam- campbellton.com <laughs> PS, which oh. one of you should have a good dose of medicine uh, mushrooms. Oh my god. <laughs> also Why? from ginger- do you have any? I don't know. Uh yeah, does he have any? Okay. So also from Ginger Snaps under quarantine and I smoked $20 <laughs> or pot in 20 minutes <laughs> and found out I have kids. Who knew? <laughs> uh <laughs> <laughs> Check out Matt Best on Instagram with his new song. So let's just give me a second because I have to go down. Quarantine, quarantine, drinking whiskey like a vaccine, wearing Lysol like sunscreen. He's just left my ass off. P.S. Remember, people are crazy. He is crazy.
2: Yeah.
1: He brings a smile to my face. That one was actually pretty easy to read compared to some of the other ones. It's getting better. I know. Well,
0: now that now those kids are home, they can school them. Okay,
2: Adriel, the next one, please. Uh, all right. Uh, question. My SR-22 has this funny little barrel cradle in the handguard connected to the sling stud.
0: So the SR-22 is a um, Ruger semi-automatic 22 rifle that looks like an air.
2: Okay. Barrel cradle in the handguard. So what
0: it is, is the front sling swivel stud yeah. is screwed into a block through the handguard. And the block it's screwed into is um, basically bigger than it needs to be and actually contacts the barrel.
2: Oh, interesting. Okay. <laughs> uh, he mentions here, I can apply a little pressure to the barrel and create a gap so it's not epoxyed on. Uh, what I'm getting at is the barrel isn't free floated because of it. My buddy thinks it might be a measure to counteract barrel whip. Thoughts? Uh, I, was I just think thinking of uh, there is no
0: barrel whip in twenty-two. That's my thought on that. I think no whip If he
2: torqued on it as AKA Maple Seed with a sling, he's going to have some problems. If if that causes inconsistency, why you
1: why you why, why, why you throw me under the bus? Huh? <laughs> why you throw me on the bus?
2: Oh.
1: Am uh, I throwing you under the bus right now? AKA Maple I Seed. Think so. no, I I'm, think sa- so. I'm saying I'm saying if think... if he
2: uh. runs a sling on that thing yeah. and he pulls on it and that it's okay, do the rest of the world understood? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I know. I understood too. Go ahead.
0: But he's Sorry. pulling down. In this case, Adriel, he'd have to be pushing up for it to matter the way that this thing is, is working. pulling. I think, Adriel, if he did what you described, it would actually help because he'd be pulling the handguard away from the barrel and be pulling that block away from the barrel.
2: What I'm saying is that uh, if the block is normally contacting the barrel and you yep. pull it away, you're causing yep. inconsistency. How much pressure right. are yeah. you putting through the sling on that block? Got gotcha. And yep. is it consistent every time? It, it, might it
0: be. can't be. Yeah. It can't be. can't be. So um, I would uh, lose the block altogether, replace it with just a nut on the front stud. Uh, in the photo, there's no sling attached. So I don't know if he uses a sling or not. Anyway, here's what you do is you go out and shoot some groups with it in there and then shoot some groups with it removed. Um, I had uh, a... Nine to 12 inch bipod on the front of my Thompson Center Venture Predator 223. And um, it caused inconsistency in my groups big time. I took took that sucker off the front of the stock and my groups shrunk below MOA. Um, So, yeah, things hanging out the front can affect the accuracy. So shoot groups with it, remove it, shoot groups with it removed. And, uh, you know, whatever is best, go with that.
2: And if you're going to shoot with a sling on, uh, shoot it with the sling with a little bit of tension on it, and then try without. Yep. If you're because yep. maybe we don't know, maybe he's not doing sling stuff with it, and he's not doing sling stuff with it. No sense worrying about it, right?
0: right. Yeah, he sent some excellent photos. They're in the uh, body of the email, so you can mm-hmm. go look at those at your uh, at your convenience. Yeah, at your
1: leisure. <laughs> <laughs> All
0: right. Very good. Thank you for the emails, everyone, even yeah, you, you Ginger good. Snaps. Um, if you would like to email the show, you could do so by sending it to Radio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to hear about what you did to get ready for the pandemic, how you're surviving isolation. <sighs> if you're still working,
1: eating. if you're a away. truck
0: driver, we love you. You know, one uh, thing about uh,
1: truck
2: drivers, though, they their job is very easy these days because they're, the traffic is nobody's like Nobody's on the street. Yeah. <laughs> Man. So, I
0: saw drone footage this morning or yesterday of Toronto, and it looks yeah. like a ghost town. I know. You go, I... In, you go in Campbellton right now, and it looks like business as usual. These people are just don't care. There's way too much traffic around Campbellton for a town that's supposed to be in emergency measures shutdown.
1: There's there's a little different. I Toronto there's a difference between even Toronto and Kingston. Kingston shutdown but toronto as well and the reason is uh because of the pa- public transportation but there's so many people right that there's people are starting that's why question What
0: is public transportation in either of those cities uh closed
1: um yeah i don't know if so uh, go
2: trains but, aren't running no I don't know that if stuff they are. has that stuff has to be running because how do you get to the no. grocery store if you don't have a car
1: yeah. but there's nobody on them like,
0: okay, and yeah. then in and Halifax, every- you have people riding them for fun. Idiots. Yeah, it's weird.
1: But I did notice that people were actually... So the toilet paper whole thing, that there's none in Toronto before anyplace else.
2: There's still none here.
1: Yeah, well, mm-hmm. I got sure. some if you need to send it to you.
2: Okay, podcast
0: <laughs> app reviews. So this is something we get increasingly rarely because leaving an app review or review for us on your app is you got to work for it so when you Mm do actually take the trouble to figure out how to do it and do it we appreciate it so um this one comes to us from the author j w heatherington and it's from itunes i believe the canadian version of itunes five stars title Shooter ready stand by Review. The podcast is so hot it may make you AD. No DQs here, but good old-fashioned Canadian Firearms Radio. Thanks, everyone. Or thanks for everything you do. Keep up the good work. Awesome. That was good. Thank you, man. Um, Shout-outs. I have some shout-outs. Man, I must have been in some hell of a tizzy when we did our first uh, episode. Um, uh, I know I spoke very freely about my state of mind and current situation. And a ton of people have reached out to check in on me and ask me uh, if I was okay and if I needed anything and don't stress and thanks for the extra episodes. And so all kinds of feedback, we've received good feedback on doing extra episodes and people are appreciative because they're consuming um, a lot of podcast content right now you know um, while they're doing other things. So they appreciate the fact that we're making extra content. We will continue to make extra content. And then some people were just wondering if I was cracking up and uh, <laughs> I am certainly not cracking up. Uh, I am keeping very busy and uh, am relaxing more and more every day. Actually, I think venting uh, helped. And, uh, but to all of you who sent text and Facebook messages, you know who you are and thanks for taking the time, man. It's awesome. Thank you very much. Anybody else?
1: Yep. I got a couple. So I wanted to say also thank you to everybody who thought I had the virus and reached it. Because <laughs> I was <laughs> not. <laughs> there was actually people doing it. Are you okay? Yeah, I'm fine. Um, and I, as I said, I wanted to say thank you to Pat Grindel for the ghost poster. Fantastic. I love it, by the way. And um, so one of the things that I got in the mail that I forgot to talk about, and I'm wearing it tonight. So can everybody see it here?
2: Hold on. Mm-hmm. Wait, uh-huh. wait, 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 wait. What? Okay, yeah, go ahead.
1: Okay, so this is a new shirt I got in the mail. See what it says? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I do. Got I guns. Love it. Love so, uh, yeah, Odell Engineering, who manufactures canuck. Philadelphia. Uh, don't manufacture se- canuck. They no. distribute. They, they distribute. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Are you? Are you good? <laughs> okay.
0: Yeah, as long as you don't make mistakes, I'm good. If you make mistakes, <laughs> I'll <let> you know. <laughs>
1: Everybody else, you're welcome to write in Trevor anytime he makes a mistake. Just like actually,
0: <laughs> absolutely. How dead. else am I going to okay. learn if I don't get corrected? All
1: right, so Phil Odell, who is um, Odell Engineering, who distributes Canuck. This is their new. This is their new T-shirt. Got and got guns. So it's the plan. Got milk. Got uh, milk. Slogan right. Twenty
0: years ago. Right. But, yeah, it's good.
1: So fantastic! I love it, Kelly I love Kincaid. It too. Also got one as well. So we're going to get some pictures taken and post that. <laughs> awesome.
0: My favorite part of the Kinect logo is the broad arrow stamp uh, at the end, which was marked on all of our military yep. equipment in World right War there. II. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah.
1: So I also wore my Knuck hat as well. The uh, so I just wanted to say thank you to Phil. Phil is a fantastic support of the firearms community. I just want everybody to know that he just, he really, really is. So thank you. He is. Awesome. Yeah, he's putting his money where his mouth is. Is that, yeah, that's how you say that. Yep, exactly. Yep.
2: You, okay. you guys had people like reaching out to you wondering like wondering about you guys and like worried and I had I had uh, video gamers uh, reaching out to me
1: <laughs> like hey you want to
2: play that video game I had a couple of people <sighs> reach out like yeah you should... have you thought about streaming it's like no I suck I'm like I'm awful no one wants to watch me wander Actually, out into the middle of the field it. and get no. wasted right away <laughs> and just like oh. well they want to see um, this is so, exactly what so happened I'm so glad I, I spent 15 minutes setting up this loadout just so I could like walk out and get domed in like five minutes of (laughs) (laughs) gameplay i'll I'll tell you what i'll stream one of my one of my matches one of these nights here and it's going to be hilariously bad
0: i'll do it when i'm on there too and it'll be even worse like remember the last console i owned was a ps2 10 years ago before that, it was a PS1 when they first came out. Yeah, man, I'm not, I mean, I gamed quite a bit when I had my PS1, but I just, I'm more I'm learning so
1: much about you. You're such a total geek, you know that.
0: Oh yeah, you know I'm a nerd.
1: Come on. Well, I know, but now like RC, you're a gamer.
2: Oak Island. Yeah, Oak Oak
0: Island.
1: Yeah.
2: yeah. We got to get you started on Counter-Strike first, and then we'll move to this, I think. (sighs) I think that's the play. All
0: right. Oh, What about that pub one, PUBG pub or G? whatever? That's a good one, too. Yeah. That's
2: that's very similar to this one.
0: Yeah, I think that's what I'm going to start on. Kelly, you make
1: a face. This? Don't forget, also,
0: I'm a huge <laughs> Star Wars fan and Battlestar Galactica fan.
1: Yeah. All which, right. Which Battlestar Galactica, though? Oh, come on. OG? Uh, well,
0: yeah, the new one. I mean, <laughs> I had all the... Well, why? I like the original, what? too, but the new one's amazing. I, I don't know about that uh, it ended poorly all right no question the last <laughs> season was garbage
1: send your hate mail to trevor for a lot not, not uh, as not as
2: bad as uh, game <laughs> of thrones game of thrones really like
1: oh the, crap the bed
2: for the last episodes <sighs> yeah it was are we gonna yeah. start
1: talking about what are we gonna you know, we're
2: gonna word all this is right a nerd off <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna wrap it up and that's what we're gonna do
0: <laughs> just remember though star wars is better than star trek
1: This this is true
0: all right. So, patronies, Um no new ones this week, but uh, please feel free to continue to become a new Patreon and continue to support us. You can do so by going to www.patreon.com forward slash Slamfire Radio. We're going to be revamping our award system. The model we had previously of doing one bonus episode a month with a guest it just didn't pan out because we couldn't get guests. Uh, so, we're open to suggestions. If you'd like to send us some ideas of what we could do to create extra content for our patreonies, send us an email. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, something else you can do to support the show is if you're going to C- Cabela's, go to our website first and click on the link on your way to Cabela's. Because every time you do that, we get a few pennies off your sales. And that right. also helps pay the bills of Slamfire Radio.
1: Buy lots of ammo.
0: Until next week, everybody, please join um, the CCFR. Check us out on Gunners of Canada and like us on Facebook. We're up to 2,378, which I am told is more than a particular or a certain orphanage in Ethiopia. So, winning on all fronts. Nice. Until next week, everybody, um, stay home.